Todd Myers is a local Brentwood resident who is a published author, an actor, and a producer and filmmaker. He grew up in the Bay Area, and after overcoming addiction and incarceration, he turned his life around. He became a mentor using his own personal story of overcoming adversity and awakening to inspire others. His autobiography, appropriately titled The Fall, can be found on Amazon. The story that has fascinated Todd the most is the true story of Joaquin Murrieta. Todd has done years of extensive research on the life of Joaquin and is excited to share this untold fascinating story that took place decades ago during the gold rush years. He is currently producing the film Murrieta with his company Dragonfly Films and plans to shoot scenes right here in East County. It is my pleasure to introduce to you and chat with Todd Myers. For taking time out of your very busy schedule to oh, chat yeah. with me. <laughs> We're all busy, you know, it's 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 a tough time. So yeah. Uh it's nice to see the light at the end of the tunnel anyway, right? Absolutely. Doesn't it feel like it's it's right around the corner? It's getting there every day, it's getting better, right? I judge it by when I walk into a store, would I be comfortable without a mask? And no, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Often I'm like, no, I, I can't do it. <laughs> I hear you. Well, thank you so much. You and I know each other for, have known each other for years. Mm -hmm. And we were able to, with the 110 Magazine, as publisher of the 110 Magazine, we were able to do a yeah. little story with you oh, way wow. back we'll in have the day. It. <laughs> I do. That's that so was a cool. lot of fun. And so I'm really excited today because your article back in, it was October, 2016, yeah. was one of, is one of my all-time favorite articles that we've done in Thank the you. 110 Magazine. Uh -huh. We did that in 86 as well. And you. um, your story is fascinating. We only have 30 minutes today, but we are gonna dive right in and we're gonna chat about <laughs> that. And, pick your brain and just hear hear about your journey. I mean, it's, there's, you and I, I could talk to you for hours. We've got 30 yes. minutes and we're gonna do this. So let's start off by talking about your article. So tell yes. us a little bit about this article, Chasing well, Zora. Well, I realized that, you know, I came to a point where I had found some historical documents and I felt compelled to tell the story. Uh, I didn't know that it would be at the epic level that it is, you know, a $30 million Western, epic Western, right? American history. But when I found certain documents, uh, an acrylic painting by Father and Tsar at the Carmel Mission of Marietta and this letter that, uh, you know, spoke about how he gave money to the church and helped women and children and was more of a Robin Hood of the El Dorado then. Yeah. Uh, and then I found an affidavit of by Ben Marshall, the first elected uh, county sheriff in Calaveras County that went all the way to Benicia to the state capitol and wrote this affidavit saying that it wasn't Murrieta's head that was stuffed in a jar for all these crimes that he had committed uh, Captain Love caught up to him and 
and the gang and uh, decided to cut the heads off of Three Finger Jack and Joaquin Marietta and blast it out in the papers that this is what happens to, you know, Mexican people that uh, try to, you know, have this rebellion or this uprising back then. That's just the way that they handled it. But I know that there are some secrets in there uh, and having every descendant of the Murrietas behind this story, they nominated me president of the Murrieta, the National Murrieta uh, Descendants for you know scholarships and immigrant youth. And we have a percentage going to DACA as well. And it's really important. You know what I mean? It's what's crazy is it really has nothing to do with me. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just a vessel here trying to tell a story. This has to do with the Murrieta family, the uh, things that they've had to go through over the last 170 years since then being related to Murrieta. Uh, it has to do with telling the story straight and the facts. And it also is the unwritten history of California. This Absolutely. was Mexico and the way that it came together, uh, there was a lot of shady uh, doings in there. So I have this book called The Court That Tamed the West, 600 pages. And two years after the Treaty of Guadalupe was signed, this book shows that the laws that were written and changed went against the Treaty of Guadalupe, where wow. you could lynch a Mexican for accusing them of stealing your horse or mule. You, there was the Greaser Act, the Foreign Miners Tax, which you know, this was their land at one, you know, the day before. And you couldn't testify in a court of law against an American if you were Hispanic. So that left them oppressed and suppressed for the past 70, 170 years. And, you know, there are very successful Hispanic families out there and, and business owners, don't get me wrong in that way, but uh, things weren't, started out unfairly you know there's the story of um slavery the native americans and this is the story of the mexican people right here in the west coast actually from uh colorado down to texas the rio grande through new mexico arizona and all through california there's this territory that was mexico which is the whole left, you know, Washington, Oregon, Nevada, all the way to Colorado, Texas, and all the way up to California. It's crazy. Which a lot of people don't really realize. It's not like we learn a lot about that in history in school. No. And I, yeah. I found it fascinating that you are, I mean, <laughs> Mexican-Americans would call you a gringo. Yes. Telling this story that you have researched for years. This isn't just something yeah. that, you know, you became, um, that, that you've, done a little bit of work on. This is something that you've researched for for years in detail. Absolutely. And, and then when you did that, it's you mm -hmm. found out what an epic, fascinating, true story it was. And it's yeah. untold. And then yeah. there's like, um, there's some, I don't know, I want to say some truths that need to be revealed. And there's yeah. some interesting things, uh, you know, a lot of people might not have read your article in the 110 magazine, but we detail the story in that of, of how you, it, it's a great article, four pages. It goes into depth about your, um, your starting to, uh, your whole history of, of, of your research, right? And yeah. then 
Well, and then it, that was years ago, and now you've come farther along, right? I well, mean, I think the light comes with understanding. <clears throat> and when we share stories and we can shine the light on them, then both sides can come to agree to disagree and at least have some sort of, uh, even at the heritage days at John Marsh with Rick Lemire and, and I spoke to that whole crowd there that day, both sides were there. John Marsh's family, five generations and Murrieta's family, both those photos and that whole day just came out amazing. And, and that's what it's about. It gives an opportunity to make amends on both sides yeah. and, uh, you know, clear up some history there and just come together with understanding, Absolutely. which is why, you know, I didn't know this at first, but growing up in Pleasanton and the childhood story that I have, I always kind of felt, I had a great childhood though. Don't get me wrong. Cause it was, <laughs> it was, it was uh, magical in so many ways. And I used to connect to Murrieta's character, displaced in his own home and on the run, long hair, blowing in the wind, riding a horse. I'm on my BMX bike. And we, you know, that was a, a, a big story of Pleasanton was how Joaquin Murrieta rode through there. And I realized after the past, you know, seven years almost of developing this feature film and writing a book that I, it's not published yet, but I just finished writing on the entire Murrieta story and the unwritten history here in California. You can't put everything in a movie. So I had to write a book. <laughs> yeah. It's making me crazy that I couldn't get every detail in there. You know, it would have been a 12 season, you know, with episodes series, right? But I realized that uh, my own story intertwined. It was like a mirror image of, you know, obviously nowhere near the level that Murrieta went through and the Mexican people and all that. But I felt, I felt for him. I, I knew what was unfair in the story. And when I found the historical documents that tied it together, um, it's, it's crazy. In the same way that I came up with the name Dragonfly, you know, we all have dragonflies that come to us. And I've always related them to people that have moved on and how they're coming to you spiritually. Yes. And then when I looked up the meaning of dragonfly, it's surviving to the point of having a full circle moment where you have a deeper understanding and purpose and meaning for life. You know, you feel more of a purpose and a mission that you're on, connected to the Holy Spirit. Wow. You know, I have demons and skeletons in my closet. We all do. They don't, <laughs> you know, especially being in my hometown, a lot of the people know what they are, <laughs> which is why I really <laughs> think about it. So I could just say, hey, I already know. <laughs> yes, yes. It's all in there. But and we all have a book to write. We all have a story to tell. We're writing a chapter in it right now. And how do you want that chapter to play out, right? Absolutely. In fact, Absolutely. since it came out four or five years ago, uh, I have chapters to add that I'm doing in this, the movie for my book. We're shooting that in October because that's just so happens when the um, Alameda County Fair is this year instead of June. Yeah. July. Uh, and we have some scenes there at the fair uh, with my mom and my family and stuff when I'm, wow. you know, 10, 11 years old. That's awesome. She always used to let me make the bets. And I was only like 13 and her best friend, Robin McClure, my, my great friend, you know, from childhood, Sean McClure and, and uh, uh, the, their mom, Robin, worked in the, you know, in the booth. 
and my mom would be in the stands with her, you know, 20 minutes to post time type thing. And I would take all their bets up to Robin. And I felt like I was, you know, special. So sometimes things were hard at home, but my mom always helped me focus on the silver linings and always gave me hope. And, you know, plus she was struggling too. And so which is all a part of your book, the fall, you know, yeah. that people can read about, which I read about because I, um, you know, was working on this article with Joaquin Murrieta and I got to know yeah. you actually, you, you advertised in the 110 magazine years ago, many years ago when you had a, you know, a, a small window business and then, Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then you and my husband connected and then he told me more about what you were up to now. And then when we connected, it was just, I just couldn't believe your story and everything going on. And you've, you've you. got a lot going on. I want to backtrack a little bit because sure. you, you, I, you know, I told a little, I just now on when we first started told a little bit about some of your story, which it's like, right. wow, it is riveting. And um, a little crazy. And that's just, I could have wrote 5,000 page book, but who wants to read all that crap over and over? That would be like breaking bad. You know what I mean? I just boiled so, it down to 186 yeah. pages of the gist of the story. But go ahead. And that, that book is amazing, though. That book is something that I've given to people to help Thank inspire you. them who have been in difficult situations because it tells about how you got through yeah. those and how all the, you know, I mean, you. What you do is you, re you remove your own story. You remove my story from the book. You plug your own in. If you yeah. can get to the third act of the story and, and the spiritual awakening that I had, um, you know, that turned my life around in a way that enabled me to be the person that I was born to be instead of holding on to past resentment and harms and fears and, you know, things that are, we all are, we all have this you thing like we self-medicate or, you know, we endure abuse to ourselves or to others in some kind of way or shape or form. Uh, you know, when I'm feel like things aren't fair and <clears throat> when I get to a point where um, I need control, <laughs> I, <laughs> I get uh, a little, you know, not obsessive, I would hope not, but I can get a little intense. You know what I mean? But I, that intensity has paid off because of that intensity. Well, you, you know, you've dove right into the story of Joaquin Murrieta and into, yeah. let me just backtrack a little, into... True. Uh, acting into mm -hmm. the movie Lasso. Let's talk about yeah, the movie Lasso. Really well. Yeah. Well, I, what saw, was, <laughs> I got to I see that movie a, Lasso. So that was awesome. Right here. You did like it. It's a horror film, not my favorite. Not my favorite, but it was a good horror film. But if it's good. a horror film, I would prefer ghosts and, you know, uh, something Lord of the Rings kind of scary. But uh, it was a first film. It was a doorway. Horror films are always a doorway to open up. Yeah. Uh, to the rest of your ideas and stories that you have to tell. But I, the true story is, is I had a double hip replacement when I'm in the middle of playing five basketball leagues a week in five different cities that I was sponsoring all of them and playing, you know, these are top guys that played at UC Davis and UCLA and uh, MIT, great friends of mine. But you know, we ended up having kids get married and going down a different Avenue. And there's only so many people in the NBA or in, you know, leagues around the world. But um, I ended up with a double hip replacement. 
And that stopped me not only from playing basketball, but from going up and down the ladder doing my yes. you know, favorite job to date, which was being <laughs> outside and connecting with the community. And I love pressure washing houses and cleaning windows. And, you know, I was up in Somerset at hundreds and hundreds of homes. Yeah. And it was successful. It was making six figures a year. And I was I was excited about that. So Walking Dead comes out series. Uh, uh, Norman Reedus is Daryl Dixon on there. And my mom has a home down in Coronado Island area across the street from the Hotel Dell, where the International Comic Con in San Diego is uh, a lot of the uh, talent stays at the Hotel Dell, at that amazing hotel built in 1888, where yeah. Wizard of Oz was written, presidential inaugurations, lots of movies filmed that. So I had a hookup that Walking Dead was going to be there, the whole cast and all their crew and producers and everything. And I had my table of 20 for my family, and they had their table of 50, and it was all right there. And we really hit it off, and Norman was great. We had great conversations. At the same time that I was uh, writing my book, later on, you know, two years later, I went to Comic-Cons and was able to give my book, and we ended up meeting, ironically, two years later, back at the Hotel Dell uh, to discuss doing a movie with him and Sean Patrick Flannery, who's in my lasso movie. It's a, uh, it's a movie called The Brethren, the final run because they've done some buddy films together and you know, their brotherhood is inseparable and they were kind enough to invite me in to, to that's another side film that we're working on. <laughs> it shoots in Las Vegas. I'm very excited about it. Uh, and I get to act in it and produce it. It's all under dragonfly films. Um, just this Murrieta story has been occupying all my time. So anyway, I uh, met Sean and Norman and some others and I was into it. So the next week, I looked up some acting classes, Fort Mason, uh, First Take Acting, Nancy Burwood, my teacher that is so amazing. She's also, um, you know, uh, runs her own church in Los, Los Gatos, and uh, she's just a wonderful woman with a wonderful heart. She helped me open up, and I didn't realize that acting, you know, classes are a lot like counseling. Yeah, <laughs> they're and you know, eight to ten pages to memorize. I was like, "Oh, I've gone through that. I've lived that. I've gone, you know, or know somebody that has." And was able to bridge to my past, but also, I realized it was moments to open me up and really shed real tears, and laughter, and you know, sadness, or whatever, and strength, uh, and heal from those moments in similar situations that I'd been in. There's wow. a lot of healing in acting class. People don't understand that. And but then she invited me to do um, Easter and Christmas plays in front of the, you know, congregation, and oh, wow. I'm so grateful for that. My heart was just full, still is. Yeah. And um, one thing led to another. I did a photo shoot of five different looks. Went to J.E. Talent, the photographer did. They signed me. They started seeing me out on you know eight, ten auditions a week, while I was taking five first take acting classes a week. And then I ended up in the advanced class. Um, I got a bunch of commercials and some fun, you know, print work here and there. And then I was invited in the San Andreas movie as a background extra. But there was like a hundred background, maybe eighty. And we're at AT and T Park Club level is where the holding was. <clears throat> well, this was my first major film, Warner Brothers, big deal. So 
early in the morning when we checked in on day one, it was like 5 a.m. And the, I don't know, second AD is, is informing all of us of the routine throughout the day. Consider yourself all featured extras. You may have FaceTime, this and that and the other, right? Depending on how it goes, we're all running through the street and Third Street Bridge right at AT&T Park. And I remembered that. Now after rehearsal in the morning and now working up to getting us down at like 10 a.m. onto the set, the guy comes up just all the way up to club level and says, I need my uh, featured extras. So oh. I stood up and he goes, hey, he's all, there should be 10 of you. And I look at all my buddies, there's like 60, 70 people yeah. who are all great people. And I was already standing up in this line and he goes, okay, come with me. Went down, well, somehow somebody didn't make it to work that day. And I walked down on third street and I felt like I was on a set at Disneyland. It was unbelievable. Yeah. The stand-in comes in and we do the rehearsals for about two and a half hours. And then The Rock comes in. And wow. Carla Gugino, who, uh, you know, her and I hit it off well. We filmed together for five days straight. You're yes. not supposed to be talent. She was kind wow. enough to interact with me and give me some advice. And wow. um, I just felt so, you know, grateful and appreciative from where I come from to be there working with this guy that, you know, so many people look up to, including myself. But um, as I'm writing my book at that exact same time and doing those acting classes and doing little gigs here and there, you know, like Steve Jobs movie and Running Wild film and, uh, and others, I had some lead role on some reenactment shows like Wives with Knives and I almost got away with it. <laughs> <laughs> I realized that um, it was starting to, I met this woman, Marilla Scott, who's the consultant for my book. I'd never written a book before and she really helped me get my story together. And the way we met was so organic and natural, it was amazing. Her, and her husband were so supportive. And I had thought about whether or not I should share my story because of the type of story it is. I just wanted to stay focused on the path I was on, but I started to feel guilty and kind of caught up in the emotion of this, you know, blessing and this blessed life that I was living and, and being in this film and where I'd come from that I felt compelled to have to share my story and try to impact others' lives and help them understand their own story as well to help them, you know, survive. It's wow. tough. Yeah, because, I mean, your story, The Fall, that book, you just reveal it all. I mean, it is, I mean, you really go there with it and you've been down like rock, rock, yeah. rock bottom. I don't think you can heal without, uh, you know, turning over every rock. You really have to, you know, it's a, it's a tough process, but the more I share my story now with others and mentor and try to help others, the more I'm reminded of where I come from. And that always keeps me on the right path. So it's, I've had hundreds of people reach out and say that it's impacted their life or changed their life in some way. People have stopped using drugs or drinking and just chosen a specific path of healing and strength spiritual way and it's been uh, quite the blessing and you know like many other people have said if it just helps one person uh that's enough right there and now i have it all out of here all <laughs> out of here and it's on these pages over there on the other side of the house 
or I can breathe better. And, you know, you, you just, it doesn't have to define you. It's just yeah. a part of you. And it's what's make, it's what makes you who you are. So. Absolutely. And you are going to make a movie about that. I mean, that's the script is amazing. It's, it's rare to have a story where the person that is going through it is actually narrating the story. It's usually told in the way of the parents or the sister, brother, or the kids mm-hmm. or a job. Um, I like to compare it to the movie that Brad Pitt did. Uh, Plan B was a beautiful boy with Steve Carell. And it was about what the son or the stepson or the brother, or the you know boyfriend and yeah. uh, was going through. But um, this is a different take. This is from my eyes and what I'm what's going on with me with some flashback stuff in there because of childhood. But uh, I'm so excited. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. I'm, I'm so very excited. Thank you. Before that happens, though, tell me where you're at with the Joaquin Murrieta film. Like, what is going on with that film? Okay, so I hired Chris Cleveland, who wrote McFarlane USA, Glory Road, Nixon, some great top films. Love those films. Great films, right? So it was a no-brainer. I knew I was getting, right, top-notch writer. But just because you have, you know, your top hitter at the plate, doesn't mean he's just going to start cracking out home runs. Yeah. And a story like this is so incredibly hard to articulate and to pull in all the elements. It is just incredibly difficult. Uh, I now am four different scripts down the line. (laughs) We just started a fifth script, but now it's been boiled down to a time frame of the peak of the story instead of a biopic, which is okay. a straightforward from younger to older. Yeah. Like the book is a biopic. Yeah. Uh, this is more, you know, cause this is a commercialized feature film, right? Yeah. But it's also got all the historical elements in there as well. Uh, it's actually the true story of Zorro written okay. in 1919. Explain that a little bit because Zorro in Spanish means the fox and the that's fox. what they called Joaquin. Yeah. Side story. After many years working on this, I somebody forwarded me that my name, when you look up Todd, means fox. And fox in Spanish is Zorro. <laughs> That's why the fox and the hounds, the fox's name is Todd. But I thought that was crazy. That means I'm wow. Zorro. <laughs> Some weird way. But um, uh, it was about three and a half years of development. I mean, I'm a million dollars in developing this film. Plus, I also did a comic book series, which is right here. Oh, nice. Yeah, that'll. we're not going to release that until the movie comes out. But it's done. It's in digital, which is wow. amazing. But uh, it took um, about a year and a half of trying to find a director. And mm-hmm. I went through all the top Hispanic directors you can imagine even Kevin Costner with him growing up in central California and understanding the story, but availability, availability, and, you know, it was all uh, not working out in that way. Pandemic hits. Okay. And I'm sitting on a strong script, the 80% script, let's say the one that I wrote in June of 2019 with, okay, so you wrote it. Well, my friends that uh, Gabriel and Travis Ross, uh, I hired them as consultants and we all three got together and they hammered out 
exactly what I would approve every three, four, five pages. And they were like the glue of the whole thing. Okay. But I mean, it, the way these guys worked, I think it was only six weeks and they had a, like an A minus B plus script. Amazing. It was like, Oh, kind of like my book. I had everything out of here. Yeah. Without Travis and Gabe, I wouldn't have that script. I could never, I never, I'm not a screenwriter and they've written multiple screenplays. So, um, but as a producer going in to hiring writers, especially with the, you know, the guild and so on and so forth, and it being a project that my company owns, I can hire writers that are significant as consultants. And then that gives you a lot more control instead of having perimeters on you where, you know, cause there's no guarantees, right? Yeah. It's so not like, you know, yeah. So here I am with a great script. I'm trying to spend a year and a half uh, from Diego Luna to Alfonso Cuadon to Alejandro Turutu, Kevin Costner, Salma Hayek to produce, direct, you know, and be in it. Selma didn't jump on it. I'm yeah, shocked. She has so much going on. There's, there's yeah, she's a busy you know, guy. A lot. Okay. To, we'll but <laughs> were there directors that I could have um, partnered with and collaborated with and moved on back then? Yes, but I had a a, a certain you know bar there that I wanted to meet, and I'm glad I waited because the pandemic hits. The, one of the main silver linings for me in this project was Edward James almost uh, as a referral from Carlos Palomino, which was a referral from your husband, Dino, <laughs> was literally in a 24 hour period. Dino calls me, Carlos calls me and Edward James almost calls me. And Edward that fast, James almost. Oh my gosh. Unbelievable. And that fast, I had a producer, I had a director and wow. My father and czar at the Carmel Mission, you know what I mean? He is uh, such a, you know, Hall of Fame, not only actor, but activist, 50 years in the industry in Hollywood wow. with as a Hispanic uh, uh, person. And just, he is now the face of this project. Without, without him, I'm, I'm no, I would have nothing. This project would, you know? And the family, yeah. And the family are they've they've um I mean they're they're coming out and they're so and excited. They're reaching out in droves to you oh because this is just yeah. an untold story that really <laughs> goes um goes it, it doesn't just scratch the surface but it um there there it could there's a lot of stories out there so this kind of clears his name so to speak right well. It actually describes the way the white miners came into Calaveras in the gold country. You know, on the same day the Treaty of Guadalupe was signed was the same day that gold was discovered in newspapers. Wow. And <laughs> you had 200,000 soldiers come from the Rio Grande who enlisted from the East Coast prison system and were given a full pardon by participating in the Mexican-American War. All that hustle and bustle came to Calaveras and up and down Highway 49 where the gold rush is with not much local sheriff. I mean, yeah. Ben Marshall, that first elected county sheriff, he didn't come in until two and a half years after people were already in there digging gold up. There was no real authority. There was, you know, California marshal 
that would come through once in a while. But the entire county of Calaveras didn't have a sheriff until three years after the gold rush because wow. of lawlessness and drunken gold fever and prostitution yeah. and saloons and gambling. And, and I find too, in, in, I love Western. So I grew up with John Wayne and Clint Eastwood and stuff, right? The youngest of three being 53 years old uh, and born in 68, the early seventies. And you know, all of that was amazing. Yeah. But not enough movies of the gold rush here in California. No, you're right. There's a lot of suppressed story there. So the story's always told by the conqueror, right? Totally, totally. He hears, I'm telling this story through the eyes of the Mexican people. Yeah. But I'm also, um, it's actually through both. People want to understand each other. And that's the key. Well, I'm your perfect demographic. I'm half Mexican-American, half Caucasian. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And we all have a percentage of Native American. That's right. That's right. Murrieta is Native American. He's mestizo. The Murrieta name comes from Spain, North Spain, where that name over the last 600 years uh, would go out to conquer other areas. And they were the lead, you know, front line of of conquering other areas. But Murrieta's mother was Mexican, Native American, uh, which is what made him mestizo. So I love the ending, though, at the Carmel Mission. Carmel River State Beach. Don't give it away. Don't give it away. (laughs) No spoiler alert. Uh, But the main part of the story takes place right there at the Carmel Mission on the beach. Wow. With Edward James almost his father and czar. And, uh, you know, I have Peter Graves, Peter D. Graves. He produced uh, and marketed, you know, 300 films. He owned Cinemarket and, uh, you know, worked on from Braveheart to Terminator films. And IMDb is endless. He's been on board for the past three years. Him and I are the two producers with Edward almost. And then I have um, Victoria Burroughs is an incredible casting director from all the Lord of the Rings films, Tom Hanks movies, great list of films that she casts. Um, I've met with Lionsgate vice president for distribution and marketing. I'm with Rogers and Cowan is a top PR publicist marketing firm. They also handle social media. So as we finish this next script that uh, my dear friend is writing, um, we have maybe three or three weeks left, let's say, right? And as this script finishes, we will be going into pre-production. I've already had uh, offer letters go out to talent over the last few months. That's how strong the current script we have is. Okay, so you- Delay and such, but um, I, I did go out to Diego Luna to play Joaquin Murrieta. For okay, Marcos. that's what I wanted to know. Who's going to play uh, Joaquin? And <laughs> we're not sure yet. We have to have a script that is so incredible that $30 million is worth spending it on. Yeah. You go, you know, you watch Lasso, you can see that it's $2.8 million film, right? Yeah. We could develop this and that. And, you know, uh, it was my first film. Knowing what I know now, I would have, gone back and made some changes, right? I'm, I think every filmmaker, as they're when they're done, they look back and go, oh, this is what I would have done differently, obviously, right? But with this film, I, I 
the reason it's, you know, first of all, a movie left this magnitude and how much it means to the Murrieta family and all the Hispanics everywhere, you really have to take your time and make sure that it's done right. Otherwise, I would have dove in a few months, you know, a few years ago. And uh, today would have been kicking myself for what I could have done differently. Absolutely. And now we have Edward and um, that's wow. the key where, you know, it's, it's already backed up. So we've, we've got backing already. And, you know, as a producer, you don't necessarily want to go in there, write a check for $20 million or even half. Uh, you want to develop the film to a point of creating the whole story and the writing. You commission mm -hmm. the writer, you create the LLCs that own the projects. And then you uh, do a budget on it and a schedule. And then you lock in locations you know, prior to that, that's, that's all in the budget and then talent as well. And once you start just doing all these steps at about one, well, on this film is about 1.3 million. Um, now you're getting attention from the people above that need to pull it up and bring it to that level that I've been trying to get it to for so many years, including the grace of God. That's key. Having your heart in the right place and, you know, uh, that's super important. And where do you plan on filming this? What's that? Where do you plan on filming? Film in uh, some scenes at the John Marsh house. Well, nice. I plan on investing some um, build up there and the landscape and the building itself and build a set. I'm going to do movies, you know, scenes there. And then um, Brushy Peak. If you go up uh, Vasco Road on the right, there's those caves there. On yeah. the left side is Brushy Peak, and that's a really okay. significant part of the story. There's five different missions that in the chapel, they still look the same as 1850. Um, up in the Gold Country, Jamestown Hotel, Main Street, Jamestown, Sonora, Columbia, San Andreas, Murphy's Diggings, Angel's Camp, up and down Highway 49 to Placerville and Auburn. And, you know, I plan on shooting some scenes in New Mexico and also nice. in Sonora, Mexico. Nice. And we're going to do some drone shots at Cantua Creek where Three Rocks is. Nobody really notices this, but when you drive down five to LA, um, there's Three Rocks, these massive rocks that look like the monument, they're that big, right? The presidential monument there in Montana, in Wyoming. And it's just magnificent. And it's this key part towards the end of the film is at Cantua Creek, when Captain Love, who's hired by Governor Bigler to be on the trail of the crimes being committed by the Mexican rise up, uh, he's on the right trail of the most prominent crimes and as he catches up to them, there's 10 of them there. Three get away. Two are white Anglos. Seven of them they kill. Two of them he claims are Joaquin Murrieta and Three Finger Jack. He cuts the hand off and the head off of Three Finger Jack, stuffs it in a jar with formaldehyde, takes the head of Murrieta, stuffs in a jar, brings, you know, he's got 19 California Rangers with him. And <clears throat> he goes to Fresno, to Fort Miller. <clears throat> and he writes these letters to Governor Bigler of exactly what just took place. And he states that the head was so scrambled of three-finger jack because he'd been shot between the eyes 
that couldn't tell who it was in the jar. But um, he ends up in the letter saying that he buried the head of Three Finger Jack at Fort Miller, which in 1890 became the town of Millerton. And then in mm -hmm. 1950 became Lake Millerton, where they buried, you know, they filled this reservoir over Fort Miller, where Three Finger Jack's head is at. I also found the head of Murrieta. What? Well, I didn't find it, but Walter Johnson. No way. In Santa Rosa, decorative rock company, Jared is his son and beautiful family. Uh, he purchased the head in, in like 19, late 60s, early 70s for a couple grand. And I don't know if you remember the movies back in the 80s, Faces of Death. That was one of the. Um, no way of it on faces of death and he had the head in, in the jar Murrieta's wow. and uh, it got to a point where he had the head on display it is business as a you know topic of discussion right and uh, finally the state showed up and said if you don't you can't have body yeah. parts remains in your office and he had to go up to Covalo and his ranch five hours north and bury the head Wow. on his ranch out there. And then they went and dug it up four or five years ago. The jar was cracked and the head was decomposing. But uh, I'm trying to work it out to film digging up the head as part of the special features of the film. And we're also working on a documentary, of course, but uh, and then giving the head a proper burial with Murrietas. I mean, this is a, this is a, the story is... <laughs> This story is epic, right? So epic. And I remember you telling me that at the World's Fair, it was on display, right? Or did you, was that, is that yeah, true? Yeah, late 1800s. Yeah. Exactly. So, was San Francisco I mean, saloons and people thought it was lost in the earthquake, but it wasn't. If you go on uh, dragonfly.films on Instagram on my page, you can see the Murrieta highlight. And you can see okay. the uh, you can see the photos of the head on there, and then okay. on Facebook is the Murrieta movie. Our last post on Facebook uh, had fifty thousand likes or something, and it was wow. just announcing not just but Edward James almost photo. We have a director, fifty thousand likes. That's amazing. Uh, like almost four thousand shares and two thousand comments. So. What's okay. great is when you have that crowd that is already anticipating wow. seeing this yes. movie. And then I wanted to say really quick, we should touch on 1919 because my other production company is 1919 Productions that's doing this movie. Zorro was written in 1919. And when you look up Zorro, it's the true events and the true story of Joaquin Murrieta. Wow. So the true story of Zorro is Joaquin Murrieta. Mm -hmm. Batman and Superman were created from Zorro and so is every superhero superhero after that. So technically, the first superhero in the United in you know America's superhero is Murrieta. Wow! Wow! And wow! Wow! Yeah, and then I went into Monterey and Salinas, you know, places I thought there would be some top lead comic books that are Hispanic, Latino, none. Yeah. None. No Not, way. The female Zorro one, and that was it. So ours is gonna, it's gonna blow up. It really is. It's, it's, so it's, it's, how it's, can people follow along 
on find you on social media or your or website to how tell us share that with us i think instagram for me it's fun to throw a story out there with what i'm doing you know one day or whatever but significant posts as it's building forward and then the murietta movie page on facebook um i haven't put anything on there in a few months because we have our director and we've been just writing uh the writing on this story even edward james years ago uh, had gone through several scripts and it's crazy the way history works every year, year and a half, I have an outdated script. I wrote a script in the summer of 2019. It's already outdated from all the shit that's gone on in the past two years because we had some current day elements, um, not to give too much away, but uh, it's possible part of the story is Two children are separated from their parents in detention centers at the border. Wow. She has, she's only 11. She has a comic book series. And as they're separated, the cars left behind, you see these swirling pages in the wind. And the camera pans up to Murrieta uh, on horseback. You hear thunder rumbling, and it's, you know, 27 horse hooves. <laughs> and then we go into the Murrieta movie. Um, so... I, you know, I really wanted this movie to be out while Trump was in office, but it is well, what it is. It is what it is. And um, and it is going to be a story that tells some real truths and and yeah. explains some history that even Mexican-Americans, Mexicans in general, yeah. Latins might not really know because, True. you know, it's not really, um, it's, I've had to do a lot of my own research with my own family history yeah. coming from uh, New Mexico and whatnot and mm. how, you know, New Mexico and Cal all of this Texas, California was Mexico, yeah. was Spain, went back and forth. Excellent. My dad's first language was Spanish, you know, um, Native American throughout all that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And that's part of the bloodline 100%. And, yeah. um, you know, all our streets, everything's named after, it's all Latin. It's, people wonder why. Well, well, it's a genocide on top of that. You know, it's the genocide yeah. of Native Americans. Um, I have some Native American friends, Coyote and Bear, uh, that are, they are Hot Paw and Clear Bear on Instagram. These guys are amazing. They just fill my heart so much. They're in the movie. Nice. And, you know, it's it's just, I, I, I mean, I honestly can't even see how it's possible to even make up for some of the shit that the indigenous Native Americans have gone through. Yeah. It's unbelievable. So I'm grateful to be in the position I am to be able to move this project forward with Edward Almost and Peter Graves. And then this Native American element that's in here is crucial and it's key. Um, so, yeah. Well, I'm sure at some point telling that story or one of the many, many stories in film is going to happen as a result of what's going on with Joaquin Marietta. I just wanna let everybody know, um, I'm gonna post this, a digital version of this article, so on cool. my social media. So if Thank anybody you. wants to read it, uh, they, can, they can, you know, there's a lot of detailed information. And the last sentence in here says that you write, I'm chasing Zorro. Like, like Joaquin, I'm determined to make a difference, whatever it takes. And let me just tell you, my friend, you are making a difference. Thank you so much. 
Thank you for your time today. And we look forward to following you on social media and the release of this movie and many other movies. Thank you. Um, and your own movie. And then, you know, <laughs> running to you, running into you every now and then in Brentwood. And maybe I can do an extra. Maybe I you never know, right? <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, thank, thank you. you so much. I thank appreciate you, my friend. You guys Blessings. are amazing. Tell Dino I said hello and I love him. And I sure will. Look to, forward to seeing you soon. We'll have dinner sometime soon again. Absolutely. Great talking with you, yeah. Todd. You too. Thank Bye -bye. you. Bye-bye.